0: Warning, this show contains adult themes and language, including the illusion of choice in our healthcare.
1: Disevidentia is an inability to reliably process evidence, and this is a podcast all about
0: it. This episode was released on July 7th, and we are discussing disevidentia because it is clear millions of Trump care fans are suffering from it.
1: I'm Squeaky. And I am Mako. We discuss logic and evidence because the people building our healthcare system didn't.
0: Check out our sponsors at disevidentia.com on our support page. Like how NiceHash lets you mine cryptocurrency on your own computer easily. You can support us directly by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash disevidentia. If you had to choose between paying your medical bills instead of podcasters, you can still help by liking, subscribing, and leaving a review.
1: If you have a paper you have written
0: or a small business to plug... Let us know. Today, we are going to discuss healthcare. First, some basic facts that ought to be uncontroversial. Then, some problems that even conservatives might agree with. Finally, we will highlight alternatives and get called socialist and fascist hundreds of times for trying to make our country better. After healthcare, we'll wrap up with a discussion on some ways to get more people listening. Maybe you can get a free flamethrower.
1: But first, I'm going on a rant.
0: Thanks for listening, and don't forget to lipe- Lipe. The fuck is a lipe? A lipe. I don't have health insurance. I
1: have worked for about 20 years, most of that time, contracting and software development. And for maybe four of those years, I had health insurance. The state of Nebraska, where this podcast is based, held a vote in the last election and decided to increase healthcare care access to people in need, but without financial means. I cannot actually use this. I made too much money last year. I guess that people never get sick the year after they leave a job. Last time I checked for health insurance options, I could pay nearly $1,000 per month after waiting through tons of options without real knowledge of what differentiates them. The real important part of insurance is how badly they try to fuck you when you get sick. All the websites talked about were deductibles and co-pays, which are important but intractable for most people on the best of days. And irrelevant... With regards to that how-much-they-fuck-you question, it's not like they list how many times you need to ask for a manager before accepting your claim that clearly fits inside all the rules. I'm trying to kick off my own business. Mostly, I write software. This podcast is a side project. Growing up, everyone told me that this was the land of opportunity. It seemed like every rags-to-riches story had someone starting a business. I guess that mostly counts for healthy people who can skip on health insurance doesn't seem to apply to people who are starting their own business on savings. I guess it works for people who are employed by a large company and happen to be fortunate enough to not be systematically shorted hours, because those people aren't full-time and don't have to be given health insurance. Like my buddy who quit his shit job and inspired this episode and this rant. This country also seems to work out well for people with a small loan of a million dollars from their family. Fuck. That makes it sound like this isn't the land of opportunity my childhood promised. At least we are the home of the free and the brave. Oh wait, we have 2.2 million people in prison, making America the country with both the most prisoners by count and the highest rate of incarceration. That is before counting prisons in territories like Guam and Puerto Rico, and doesn't include juvenile facilities. Well, there goes another of my childhood promises that America wasn't some sort of dystopian prison state. I am glad America is the home of the brave, at least until I learn some new horrifying fact. Sadly, I recorded this on July 4th, so I want to say something positive before I jump deeper into the morass that is our shithole healthcare system. We still get to participate in our government. These problems I listed aren't permanent and are fixable. Because there is an expectation of self-sufficiency in our country, it does mean that it isn't something everyone can do, but many can participate. If you can participate in the government or political process at any level, do so. Impact decisions you can, and don't give up. The parties always need volunteers, and there are people needed for a variety of volunteer roles, including election poll workers. At a minimum, vote. This isn't an election year, and after the last administration we are all a little bit exhausted. But do a Google search, and figure out when your next election is. Make sure you are registered to vote. Figure out when your next ballot will be decided and published and read it weeks before the election, and Google every option. I did this last election, and I was one of the votes expanding healthcare in Nebraska. I might not be covered personally, but I do know two people who have healthcare now and didn't before. So we can have a positive impact, even when it is imperfect and slow. And I'll cut out all the silence, I don't give a shit. <laughs> God.
0: I can't be bothered to reread a sentence, but I can be bothered to compile my own OS.
1: So, today we're going to discuss healthcare. Delightful. This is such a fun topic. I'm glad everyone agrees with everything about this and that we all agree that healthcare is a human right and that we should all be covered and we should all live in a magical fairyland of unicorns and lollipops. And oh shit, we don't. Uh huh. I'm sorry, that's not even funny. It's too fucking
0: real. That's uh, the problem with trying to make humor on this topic, as we found while we were preparing. At least last episode, we were only discussing ethics, so it was just dry. This
1: is just horrible. Yes. <sighs> well, I guess, to be informative, why don't we start off with some basic definitions? Because not everyone knows some of the really basic stuff. <sighs> I highly... <Irregardibly>. Hi- <laughs> well, it's hard, right? Even me, yes. I've been through a ton of different jobs, and I've signed up for healthcare probably a dozen different times. We'll discuss that more in the problems section. Yeah. But it can be hard if you don't know what the terms are, so... Uh, let's go over some of the most basic ones, right? I I don't think we needed to tell people what insurance is.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, I've met a couple people that kind of did, but yeah, let's make the presumption that our listeners don't.
1: (sighs) I'm worried now. Uh, Okay, fine. Yeah. A copay. Not everyone knows what this is, but this is the money you actually hand over to your doctor. When you're at, like when you're getting healthcare, you show up at the office or whatever and they're like, OK, we need 25, 30 bucks, whatever. Give us some cash now before we give you service. It's like a down payment for your health service. Yeah. OK, a deductible how much you start paying, typically on a yearly basis, before the insurance starts paying anything. If you have really good health care, this can be zero. More common numbers are some four-digit number. I've seen some health insurance where it's some five-digit number. So you might have to pay $20,000 before your health insurance company starts paying. This makes health insurance not super useful for little stuff, but... If you break your back or both your legs or get in a horrible car crash, you'll hit your deductible real fast, and then they'll presumably cover everything above
0: that. One minor addendum is that some health insurance plans will also pay a portion, and that even when you haven't paid anything, they'll still pay a portion, and then that portion will increase... Uh, as you are paying more and more out-of-pocket yourself. So they have this concept of maximum out-of-pocket. Mm, okay. I used to have a health insurance plan that was like that.
1: That is interesting. I have not had one like that. Yep. And this goes to show how complex this topic is, because there is infinite variety in how this works. So we're, we can only cover the most basics. We've only got an hour or two to discuss this in the podcast. Yep. Uh, Co-insurance. What you just described sounds like a variation on co-insurance that happens before the deductible. Mm -hmm. When people normally say co-insurance, they mean how much you pay after you've reached your deductible. It's usually a percentage, and it's an amount you keep paying. So let's say you get some horrible medical situation, like a child. Wait, any better examples than most people like children? Well, most people claim they like children. Okay, so getting medical coverage for your denial of disliking your child... Oh, come on. That was good. A little bit. Okay. So uh, let, let's say you just need generic procedure, right? And it costs $50,000. Mm-hmm. If you have a $10,000 deductible, you'll pay $10,000. And then if you have a 10% coinsurance, that extra $40,000, you will wind up paying 4000 and then your health insurance will pick up the other 36000 because they'll pay 90% of everything after the deductible. What Mako described sounded like a co-insurance before the deductible. I don't know the word for that.
0: Yeah, I, I had it and I can't tell you what the word for that is.
1: Ugh... <sighs> Um, Another word that probably doesn't need to exist but feels kind of magical is the premium. It feels like something good because premium products are good. Premium is generally associated with good things. Like we should totally plug AirPod Pros or those Raycon headphones all the other podcasts are plugging. Those are premium headphones. Yes, this premium is not a good premium. It's another word for your monthly bill to your
0: health insurance company. Yeah, nobody likes bills.
1: And it normally doesn't feel like a bill because most people get their health insurance through their employer and it just comes straight out of our paychecks. Yeah,
0: so you you don't ever actually hand over money. It's just cut off on the top of what you earned i
1: have had health insurance where i just handed it over because it was all on my end it was a pain in the ass yeah okay uh we have a source for that uh wps check it out in the show notes and it covers two or three dozen different definitions but i just picked some of the most common ones because for the rest of this podcast we'll be using words like that and we'll refer back to and put more definitions in if we need to but well, this is our source for definitions
0: mm-hmm Okay, you made a face right before when I was saying Trump care. What was that about? Just the thought of Trump care as some kind of cohesive health care plan rather than a dissecting attack on Obamacare. Because that's really what it is.
1: Even the name. The The bill was called the ACHA. <sighs> I figure now we'll tackle. I don't want to say we're tackling myths because that'll immediately start arguments. But there are some common claims that are really easy to rebut with hard, factual information. And back to me arguing with people on social media. When I bring up the hard and fast information, often the people will retract a little bit and agree to things in this vein. Did you want to start going down our (laughs) myth list?
0: Uh, You said you wanted to avoid using that word.
1: Fuck. Did you want to start going down our list of claims that people sometimes get wrong but are uncontroversial with sources
0: i will go down the list of common and easily refuted claims
1: fucking eloquent
0: all right so a common claim and important to establish that these claims are not meant to be word for word people are saying things of this vein but they will say capitalism capitalism will produce the cheapest solution to healthcare. And that is a common notion that's said like pro-capitalism supposedly it produces the cheapest solution to everything
1: okay this just in we have to issue a retraction conservatives will not agree with any part of this episode okay
0: <laughs> so this is a dubious claim Uh, because, well, the United States spends more on healthcare than any other country. And we really don't get nearly as much out of it as other countries do.
1: I have some sources listed down for this in the next section. But uh, in terms of things like life expectancy, we have the 40th best. So there's 39 countries better than us. For infant mortality, we're similarly low. We're number 46. So there's 45 countries better than us. But we're paying more on a per capita basis than everybody else. Yeah, 92% more, in fact. And that's according to healthsystemtracker.org. (sighs) Yeah. Oh, you have that in there twice.
0: No, you have two different... Different years. I have it marked down for 2018 and 2019. Well, the per- percentage numbers. The
1: percentage didn't change at all. Our health insurance costs tracked the rest of the world, but just got that much bigger for an average of 10,966 person per year in the US and $5,697. So about $5,000. I'm sorry. So about $11,000 per American and about 5500
0: 5600 per... Anyone else? Not anyone. This was all made in comparison to other first world countries with various healthcare systems, uh, specifically the Netherlands, Australia, Sweden, Japan, Austria, Germany, France, and the United Kingdom.
1: I'm pretty sure if we look on that Wikipedia list of life expectancy and infant mortality, I'm pretty sure those countries are doing better than us.
0: Yes. <sighs> and I actually do have a Uh, factoid on that from the same source a little bit down. Let me see if I can find it. So yeah, from healthsystemtracker.org, they also have an entire page dedicated to infant mortality, and uh, different places will define infant mortality in slightly different ways. Like, uh, one place I was looking at defined infant mortality as the death of any child that's under the age of five and that's a very loose definition of infant mortality yeah most definitions are closer to three or some do use months even uh well in this case it is any infant that is less than one year okay and our infant mortality rate was 70 percent higher than the comparable country average in the year 2017 70 percent higher Now, these percentages can seem sort of misleading,
1: so we'll dive into that later, I guess, when we're doing problems with their healthcare, care, because uh, we do have significantly worse outcomes on this. It isn't as misleading as it, it could be, but uh, I do believe we have numbers on a how many children per 100,000 basis don't survive through infancy.
0: Well, according to Health System Tracker, it's a little bit different from that. Uh, It claims that the U.S. infant mortality, again in the year 2017, was 5.8 per 1,000. Oh my god! I said 100k, didn't I? Yes. The comparable country average is 3.4 per 1,000. The lowest of all the compared countries is Japan at 2 per 1,000. Japan keeps getting really good numbers on this stuff. Japan's really, really good. Yeah, they're number 10
1: for, uh, wait, they're the best for life expectancy? Some of the sources I had put them at, uh, put them in the top 10 still but yeah Yeah. there's they they always place higher than us and then there's a lot of those nordic you know northern european countries that are also just always kicking butt and always up in the top 10 top 15 yep we're bouncing around a lot a little bit one thing i like to mention when talking about capitalism and healthcare, i don't have a source for this this is just a logic-based argument Mm -hmm. right Uh, capitalism requires informed consumers who can choose alternatives or bargain right that just is required because the thought process that people who are very pro-capitalism... And actually, I'm pro-capitalism on many things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I really like it for computer parts. I like it for contracting. I did, I was very successful at selling my labor in the market. And I did really good at that for software development. And even a bunch of other things I'm very pro-capitalism on. I just don't think it should be in places where the rules of capitalism don't apply. So if I'm looking for healthcare, and if I need some life-saving medicine, and there's only one place to get that life-saving medicine, there's no alternative and I have no bargaining power. The free market is not an adequate solution here, particularly when we consider that things like medicines can be patented, and we don't have good regulations on keeping the price of life-saving things in check, and simply shopping or getting information on healthcare items is very difficult. And it's not like if you're in an ER, you can go ask, you know, bring me to the cheapest hospital or bring me to the best hospital. They bring you to the one that will save your life right now. And even when it's low stress... Right? Try calling around hospitals and asking for prices of things.
0: Yeah, they deliberately obfuscate or just outright refuse to tell you. Yeah,
1: it's harder than trying to shop for like a phone plan and avoiding those weird secret hidden fees that you get that most phone services charge. Blah. So just to summarize that, capitalism requires informed consumers who can choose alternatives or bargain. And in order to bargain, one needs leverage. If one is going to die or pay, then another, who has the life-saving good or service, has infinite leverage. And you cannot have functioning capitalism. You cannot have a functioning market when someone in the market has infinite leverage. Yeah. Moving on to things with sources. You have more disputed claims, or disputable claims.
0: So this... We touched on this a little bit because it's very thoroughly intertwined with the the subject. Oh, already. a
1: complex topic has lots of tendrils reaching to every place. Uh uh-huh. huh.
0: So the claim that America has the best healthcare system in the world, or slightly more uh, accurate to what's commonly said, America has the best healthcare in the world.
1: I saw one source that put this really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's linked down below. It's uh, actually an academic paper from Canada's healthcare system. They said the American healthcare system is awesome if you get good health insurance from your employer. Such a great qualifier there. They don't say how good it is for the 27 and a half million
0: people who don't have health insurance yeah. or the people who have bad health insurance from their employer. That's something that's often clarified from all sorts of people uh, because of things like medical tourism, which is another thing we'll cover here in a moment. But when you have a lot of money and you can afford the best medical plans, yeah, actually, pretty much is some of the best healthcare you can get in the world is here in the United States. But that's gated and most people can't access it.
1: And even if you are one of the people who is accessing it, there's always that doubt. Are you sure that you actually have a good health care plan? I've been with employers before who say we have great health insurance and then later talked to other employees who had to pay some ridiculous amount for something they
0: thought was covered. Yeah. So the the simple notion that we have the best, best health care system in the world is something that not really true and we already covered the infant mortality and, and okay so there's like a hundred different metrics you can use to try to gauge the effectiveness of a healthcare system and we do pretty well in some of them but we do bad in a lot of them i wanted to discuss proxies
1: later and we've already thrown the show structure out okay <laughs> a proxy is something you use to measure something more complex it is just super hard to measure who has the best healthcare because there are a million variables you could look at right mm-hmm. But people measuring healthcare systems often go straight to life expectancy or straight to infant mortality because these are two very easy to measure things. Countries have similar definitions and when they don't match up exactly, usually you can adjust, right? Like for infant mortality is just how old is the child we're talking about? If you want to pick other proxies, you can. You can get the numbers on it. We went with these two because they're really common and they show the picture very cleanly. Mm -hmm. We are... Among the worst healthcare among developed countries. Yeah. Now, don't get us wrong, we're kicking butt compared to undeveloped countries. But I don't think we should take pride in that countries where only 75% of the population has access to toilets, that we have better health
0: care than those countries. Because we don't always. Yeah, it's not good to celebrate mediocrity. <laughs> we're the worst of the best, but we're still some of the best. We did use the word best. <laughs> God. Uh, uh. So... Uh,
1: one more thing yeah i don't want to sound like we're attacking the u.s right i want to be patriotic uh, i i i worked with our military twice to try to serve the country as best i could i want us to be a great country and i think that means acknowledging in an evidence and reality-based way our faults and this is one of them and we can be good here we can succeed here
0: yeah i have spoken with a couple of foreigners about some of the Flaws of the United States, the healthcare system being pretty high on the list. And they always say like weird and and different things. Like, they are like, well, why do you guys think you're the best? You're you're obviously not. And I'm like, well, you're right. We're obviously not. I know that. But like, and another person said that the thing about Americans is that you're all very, very hopeful. And I don't understand why. god and that's it's a little bit scathing but the thing is is we have so many resources both uh tangible and intangible we have so much potential we had we really were at one point legitimately one of the best countries in the world in our history but we've just sort of become complacent with it and now We've fallen behind, and if we actually were to flex these resources and our capability, actually understand through evidence and logic what the best steps forward were, and we're less afraid to experiment with these things to, to figure out what fits us best, then we legitimately could be, once again, one of the best countries in the world. I agree 100%.
1: Right. So I took us off track of us being best for healthcare. You had a lot of points you wanted to talk about here.
0: Uh, so, OK, I, I've picked out a few metrics where we're doing pretty poorly compared to the uh, comparable country average. And that's what a lot of the thing, the breakdowns in healthsystemtracker.org likes to do. So United States has 57 percent more years of life lost than the comparable country average. And years of life lost is just this measure of, well, this is the average life expectancy. Also disease burden measured by disability adjusted life years. So basic idea is how many years people are living with disabilities. Yeah. Towards the the end of their life mostly because since a lot of this is age induced was 31 percent higher in the United States. Now than- I could see that one debatably being a good thing because
1: I would rather like live in old age with like limited mobility for example than be dead if you gave me the choice. Yeah. Now not everyone would choose that but I could see how enough people would
0: choose that. If our life expectancy was higher in addition to the disease burden, that makes sense. Yeah. It's our, not. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, healthcare access and quality index of the United States was the literally the lowest of all the comparable countries.
1: So again, we're leaving
0: out the shithole countries, but yeah. including the developed countries. Yes. This one was particularly horrifying. The United States maternal mortality rate, so death as a result of some complication during pregnancy, so it's kind of a broad definition, but it was 280% higher than comparable peer countries. That is grotesque. And I just because my jaw dropped at 280%, I I looked at the actual numbers, and it is 16.9 per 100,000 live births compared to the uh, comparable country average of 4.4 per 100,000 live births.
1: So I'm going to round just a little bit. I'm going to round 16.9 up to 17 per 100,000. Versus the typical 4 per 100,000. The second place, the second highest, was the United Kingdom at 6.6. Got it. So this is another one of those things where if we have a bimodal distribution, brought this up before, most distributions have a single bell curve. There's a mode, a most common amount in the middle. And then as you go to one end, things get more extreme. The other end, things get extreme the other way. We are way off in the extreme shitty end of this system with two bell curves. It has bi... It's bimodal. It has two modes. There's all the very poor countries and all the developed countries. We are the worst among developed countries, so much so that we might be at the top of the shitty countries or the bottom of the developed
0: countries. We literally look like a third world country with regard to how many mothers die in childbirth. And to the surprise of nobody that's paying attention, it disproportionately affects black women. Fuck. There anything else we can say about that being two old white men? I think we should probably move on. So much to cover. Fuck. But yeah, that's a particularly horrifying stat that I found. And so the last stat that I I jotted down was regarding uh, lab errors, because lab errors are a horrifying thing to have happen. And the United States experienced 7% more lab errors overall than the comparable country average in the year 2016.
1: But shouldn't the free market make the labs more accurate and more efficient because consumers can choose which lab they're going to?
0: Yeah, it turns out that your insurance dictates what hospitals are in network and the hospitals have contracts with labs. And so it's kind of all just decided for you as soon as you decide insurance. Oh, well, look at that. Yeah, that's a fun one. Uh... So yeah, the and just for a little extra context, the error rate I said it was 7% higher, it was actually 19%. The comparable country average is only 12. Okay. So, one in 5 of American lab tests have problems, and
1: most have closer to one in 8 or yeah. one in 9. Okay. So that's really bad. 19% of our lab tests have problems. Most countries, 12% have problems.
0: Okay, so they're not specifically lab errors. There are medical, medication, and lab errors. 19%. Well, surely
1: people come to the US for healthcare, so we've got
0: to be good. <laughs> <laughs> so it is true. People do, in fact, come to the United States for healthcare. Uh, but people also leave the United States for healthcare, So there's it's like kind of easy to presume that when you're talking about the whole world, maybe different places are have different specialties. And especially when you're talking about the potential of uh, demand or having to wait, which. Oh, yeah. Overblown. Those Canadians
1: with their year long wait times.
0: Surely they're coming to the U.S. for the for the zero wait times, right? Uh, they literally are not. Oh, um, okay, so I, I can't say in absolutes that no Canadians are. Some are, <laughs> but not in statistically significant amounts. Uh, the one source that I saw, and I'm not sure I added it to the show notes because I, I wasn't sure about the uh, the validity of the source. It was a little bit questionable, so I, I didn't add it to the show notes. But it claimed that uh, from a they collected the information from a survey, but only 0.11 percent of Canadians bother coming to the United States for any amount of healthcare. That doesn't sound like much, but I don't have enough context to know. Yeah, that's okay. it's insignificant. Okay. Uh so Yeah, people travel around for medical reasons. And to give a little bit of extra context, there is uh, some estimates that have been made by... I don't know what their group is, but this is from our medical tourism wiki source. But estimates claim that 750,000 Americans traveled abroad for medical treatment to some extent or another in the year 2007. That is quite a lot of people. And it's probably gone up since. Almost certainly. But even taking that number, it's
1: three quarters of a million people... It's about 300 million people. That's, was it 1% would be 3 million? That's about a quarter of a percent compared to 1% of 1%. So about 25 times more than Canada. It was 0.11. 0.11. Yeah. Oh, okay, so double or triple Canada. Okay. Yeah. Still magnitudes more than Canada. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, and the the idea of new businesses popping up to take advantage of this is not really new. Uh, John Oliver did a segment in talking about Medicare for all where he covered uh, PEHP, which is a uh, health insurer from Utah, and they would actually fly people to the US Mexico border, bus them across the border, then they would pick up their prescription in Mexico. Then they would be returned and be paid $500 as an extra bonus because that's literally cheaper than getting prescriptions where they were.
1: That's a super dramatic and hyper-specific example. It is. But such an example can't exist if there aren't extraordinary problems.
0: Yeah, that's, that's not going to be representative of everyone, but that an extreme like that can exist is exactly like you said. It's, it's horrific. Utah doesn't share a border with Mexico at all. No. In the example in the episode of John Oliver, they were flown to California. Okay. Uh, So there's also a website that I've managed to find, literally medicaltourism.com, which is intended to help people find deals and make plans to do medical tourism. You just say what operation you need and where you want to go, and it tries to find all the things that you need to make that happen. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Republicans constantly saying all these things. That Republican politicians constantly saying all these things. Pro-United States healthcare constantly trying to say, like, oh, no, people come here. It is particularly funny when one of them goes somewhere else for healthcare, like Rand Paul.
1: Oh, you mean that very pro-America, hyper-libertarian guy who's all free market will solve all the problems?
0: Yes. Uh, he ended up flying to Canada in order to get surgery related to a hernia. <sighs>
1: well, I'm glad he got his hernia problems solved. I am ashamed he couldn't solve it for all the other Americans who can't afford to fly to Canada to do so. Mm-hmm. For sources on medical tourism, we link to the Wikipedia page on medical tourism, which links a ton of sources. Yep. Uh, we have Politico covering Rand Paul. We link to the YouTube uh, video for John Oliver's piece. It's really good. You should watch it. He's really funny and pretty, pretty accurate. And medicaltourism.com. Hey, dude, we should try to get a sponsorship from them. Okay. Like I, I could see it now. We could make up little skits and stuff, and be like, "Hey, need your hernia operated on?" Be just like Rand Paul, fly to Canada, see all the sights. Like, was it Toronto or did you go to Vancouver? Because if you went to Vancouver, you could do like whale watching while you recuperate from your, you know, lower back problems.
0: I actually have heard of uh, like the the notion of medical tourism, where they combine actual normal tourism with medical tourism. Yeah, totally. It makes sense. Yeah. Go to sunny of drink Mai Tais on the beach. I actually think medicaltourism.com might have something for that. Destination guides? Wow. Okay, this is a rabbit hole we shouldn't go down right now.
1: Uh, okay. Um, but certainly, American medicine is great because we have low wait times. All those socialist countries must have long wait times. Not really, turns out. So, uh, you were in Canada a while ago, weren't you? Uh... Physically there? <laughs>
0: Yes, I've physically been to Canada like three or four times, extended stay each time. I'll tell us about the horrible socialist healthcare in Canada. Well, it functions. There's nothing horrible or socialist about it. There are some things that are elective and... Like, uh, so I personally didn't have any direct experience with the healthcare system, but I was seeing someone who did frequently have uh, healthcare issues that needed to be looked at while I was there. And the only time they ever had any issues with it, and it wasn't really issues because like, they were informed up front about the limitations of the insurance, but uh, contraceptives weren't covered. Oh, that's interesting. So that came out of pocket, but literally everything else was just covered. Any small thing that they think might be an issue, they just went to the doctor and didn't have to worry about a bill, and there was no real wait times involved. If they scheduled an appointment, they got seen the very next the very same week. But surely all these poor
1: and filthy people going to the doctors for every little issue clogged things up and made it hard for good hardworking Canadians to get their health care. Uh well all I can really say is
0: no, it, it really didn't. <laughs> all but, you can say is no, you're wrong. <laughs> Uh, but if I were to speculate, then I would say having more ready access to healthcare enables a very large set of preventative care to be exercised, and that keeps the the, the usage rate of of healthcare down uh, in the future. This is more of another myth we didn't bring up or we didn't
1: specifically research into. But I've had arguments with people online where they will say, if you make healthcare free, then people will abuse it. And I don't even understand the mentality. I don't even know how to argue it because what what is the core assertion there? Are, are these people claiming that people want to stay in the hospital? Are they claiming getting health care is fun? Are they claiming it's somehow profitable to get extra cough medicine? What the fuck is the claim?
0: It's so dumb. We, we couldn't even research it. It's so dumb. The, the closest thing I can think of is maybe they're trying to think of hypochondriacs driving up uh, just the cost and usage of resources
1: yeah i can imagine that but that's again not based in reality no there aren't enough hypochondriacs you know actual like diagnosable hypochondriacs to statistically impact any country
0: yeah yeah it's, yeah
1: a rounding error and i have to that imagine scale. that if you have an actual healthcare system system can do things like share records based on government regulations that hypochondriacs get tracked down and get the kind of health care they need for you know psychiatric reasons than what we have yeah sorry i interrupted you you were still discussing wait times
0: (laughs) no that was pretty much it like i never noticed any complications with any kind of wait time the the wait times seemed consistent with my experience of uh wait times early on or early in my life i should say in my adult life on the other hand uh, wait times like getting an appointment scheduled like how fast can you get in to see a doctor? That when I was a child was something that we consistently could manage within the same week, you know, schedules permitting. But as an adult, I find that more consistently, I actually have to schedule my medical appointments up to a month in advance in the United
1: States. This ties into some points that were in some research I, I had done uh, from CommonwealthFund.org. Uh, I got uh, an interview with a doctor from the Yukon Territories, Northern Canada. Mm -hmm. So rural Canada, you can imagine something similar here, like way rural Texas or Wyoming or something. They do have wait time problems, but only for things that are optional that can be delayed or getting a second opinion from a specialist when healthcare is already being rendered non-urgent exactly yeah so if you need something right if like you're if you have a bone sticking out of your leg or something you will get you will get seen and treated immediately yep. if you need an appendectomy you will get it immediately if you have cancer and you need to get the first round of whatever the appropriate treatment is. You will get that rapidly before things start getting worse. If anything's deteriorating in your health, you'll get it. And you sort of will get that here too. I'm gonna
0: go... It does line up with my experience in the ER. Yeah. Because uh, I've been to the ER, I think, four times in the last three years. And every time it was it was really rapid. And this is despite me having issues scheduling uh, appointments with like my primary care provider, for example.
1: Can I share a, an anecdote with me and my SO? Yeah. So me and I'll just say her. So I have some word to refer to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and her, when we met, we were capturing feral cats to bring them to the Humane Society. Maybe not met, but whatever. Early on, we were capturing feral cats to bring them to the Humane Society, and I was less than elegant, and we both got bit. We dropped the cats off, we started talking about tetanus, and we went to the ER at like two in the morning, right? I had barely been bit, just a little bit, so uh, I was seen by a doctor. They uh, assessed the likelihood of us having rabies or other problems, and she actually got in-room scans and questioned by a... What was the department? Parks and Animal Services or something? Mm-hmm. But people who track down feral animals and try to clamp down on rabies. And by six in the morning, we'd both been checked out thoroughly. And from the bite on her hand, she had... You know, all the medical scans you might want and it happened very rapidly and it seems to me like that's what most healthcare systems try to prioritize is immediate life-threatening problems you get checked for really quickly and you get it you get the problems ruled out and then you go onto whatever waiting list yeah. and that just makes sense from an economic and financial standpoint and from a human emotional standpoint The system in Canada is like, no, we we do this in order of medical priority. And all the sources say that. And this doctor from the Yukon Territory says that. And then here in America, when you say wait times, it's often an emotional argument where people are like, oh, you got bit by a feral cat and you need that rabies shot. You could be waiting weeks, which is a death sentence if you actually get rabies. But that's not how it works. You just get treated here whether or not you have health insurance.
0: Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Yep.
1: But in Canada, right, you, you get treated and you don't go into debt. And here you might. I happen to have health insurance and she was able to talk her price down to very, very little for all that happened.
0: So it's yeah. good. Yeah. The Canada responds to emergencies just the same way as we do. And from my personal anecdotal experience for all that that's worth, which for everyone listening is honestly not much important lesson on sample size here. Oh, yeah. Total sample size of one doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. But for uh, what I have to offer anecdotally, uh, we are actually waiting longer for non-urgent care than Canada is. America is the one with weight problems.
1: I would tend to agree with that. When I'm scheduling things with doctors and dentists, I'm often scheduling months out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah.
1: oh one other little thing uh there's no way to jump the line in canada you can't show up with more money and be like canadian doctors give me more health care there just isn't a good way to do that whereas here if you have enough money you can just jump in front of a bunch of people who might have a bigger medical need well, it's yeah. like i can see some people who would say that that's really a good thing and i
0: think all those people can go fuck themselves to canadians that have the the will and the resources to jump the line what it looks like is them coming to the united states yeah. And then to Americans who have the will and resources to jump the line, it looks like they become conservative
1: and say that everybody who doesn't have good health insurance is poor and deserves it. They pretend we're a meritocracy or something. Yeah. Okay. So we're about to finish up with the controversial part of this. Are we? No, no. We're going to talk about Trump care. Yeah. All right. So I just figured we should bring it up at least a little bit. I haven't had too many arguments about this. It seems like it was
0: a hot topic and talking point for just a little while. People still want to argue about Obamacare and kind of want to just forget that Trump care exists, even though. Uh, existed. It, it never turned into a law. Well. Kind of. So, Trump care as a whole uh, never actually fully manifested. And what parts did manifest were geared at dismantling as much of the ACA as they possibly could. They're talking about repeal and replace a whole lot.
1: And to clarify, Obamacare is the ACA. Yes. I know that in some polls, more people say that they like the ACA than like Obamacare. And those polls just tell us. That people don't know that Obamacare is the ACA.
0: Yeah, the ACA is the the actual bill name, and Obamacare is the media buzzword that was just distributed about it. But yeah, they are exactly the same thing. Uh, so there were portions of Trump Care that wanted to, to attack specific portions of the ACA. And some of them did actually end up happening, like repealing of the individual mandate. The individual mandate is now gone, and that is entirely because of Trump. And that was meant to be a part of a package of a lot of other things that also dismantled other parts of it. Uh, Some of those parts were successful, most of them were not. The big sweeping change was uh, a vote... That happened, I forget exactly what day, but in uh, 2017. The deciding vote was from John McCain, and he voted no on the big sweeping dismantling of the ACA. So that's kind of loaded.
1: In these next few exchanges between Mako and myself, I make several mistakes. I cite 538 as a source for counts of votes to attempt to repeal Obamacare. They actually provide in-depth coverage on the McCain vote. I claimed there were over 200 attempts to repeal Obamacare. There were actually only 104. 100 from the House of Representatives and 4 from the Senate. I have included several sources for that as well. One thing I undersold was how racist the war on drugs was. I focused primarily on the results, but I have included sources showing it was instituted explicitly for racist reasons by Nixon to attempt to suppress liberal black votes. I think it is useful to preserve these mistakes in the conversation to preserve the natural flow. There have been a lot of votes to just repeal Obamacare. Um, 538 had some good sources on this one, so I'm going a little bit from memory because we didn't mm-hmm. do research for that for this show. There were something like 200 or more votes to just repeal without replacing with Trump care. And yeah, I think the one you're talking about. There were a couple of attempts to repeal and replace at the same time. Well, a lot of the votes, from what I understand, were a lot of uh, political posturing. Oh, yeah. But it's still frightening to think that if you're one of the, you know, tens of millions of people who got insurance from Obamacare, Mm -hmm. that people are playing around with votes in Congress and, you know, once or twice a week, it's coming up for a vote to get rid of your health insurance. Yeah. If you're paying attention, that's stress-inducing and nightmarish.
0: Yes, uh, no argument there. But the lawmakers themselves, and uh, a lot of those votes, they did not expect it to pass. The vote that I'm referring to, they 100% did. Okay, okay, I see what you mean.
1: For the people not into the real politique, they didn't know that... Uh, those votes were political posturing, and that's also a, a hard stance to back with evidence. Yeah, and when I say real politique, um, it's it comes from Russian. It's for talking about real politics. It's all the lies and posturing that politicians do that not everyone's always privy on or or, or understands correctly. Like I'm gonna try to go out of this, and unfortunately, there's no non-controversial topic to talk about. So I'll just go to the war on drugs. The war on drugs was racism. It was a way to harass black people. And if you look at the numbers, it's thoroughly backed up. White people never got arrested for cocaine. Black people constantly got arrested for marijuana. One of these is clearly more harmful, mm-hmm. right? So that was the, the real politique of the war on drugs was oppressing black people. Get more stop and frisk, get more people in prison. Whatever the goals were, it was oppression. And the reason that existed was because the previous realpolitik became more obvious, right? You couldn't talk about just being racist and hating black people. And that's because the realpolitik before that was segregation, <laughs> And then the Realpolitik before that was Jim Crow, and before that was slavery. So they kept backing off and watering the message down, and these things happened in a succession. And on this, the narrative they were putting forward was, Republicans are working hard to get rid of that evil Obamacare, when really Obamacare is responsible for more conservatives getting health, more conservative Americans, like people, not just politicians, getting health care than liberals because as some of our charts will show, there are more people in red states and red counties that don't have health care. Mm-hmm. Obamacare got a ton of these people health care. So Republicans can't repeal it, because if they do, it will take way more red citizens off of health care than it will take off blue citizens. And that would be doom to their standpoint. But because so many people hate Obamacare, but love the ACA, The realpolitik is we're going to go through, we as Republican leadership is going to go through all these motions to make it look like we're fighting the good fight, but not going to actually do it. So super stressful for informed people. Uh, Lots of narrative writing and posturing that's very hard to back with sources and evidence, but in my opinion is evident if you're quite informed. You just keep reading and keep looking into it. I think a lot of people come around to what I'm saying, or would come around to what I'm saying on this. I got to go find a trillion sources to back this up now, don't I? Because that is a complex thing I just claimed.
0: It is a bit complicated, yes.
1: All right, so I will go get some decent sources for that. I'll see if I can find some talking points from five thirty eight, because they're really good at highlighting. They don't go into the concept of Realpolitik too often, but they do talk about, oh, Republicans didn't think this vote would pass, so why did they put it forward? Let's discuss. They do that kind of stuff a lot. All right, sorry, I totally went off the rails on what you were saying.
0: Oh, you're fine. But yeah, Trump Care in the incarnation that actually manifested, in what limited capacity it did manifest, was just an attack on the ACA trying to dismantle as much of it as they felt that they could get away with. And like I said, some parts were successful. Most of them were not. I actually really hate the individual
1: mandate. I think that was a garbage policy. Like, it shouldn't have been there. The whole idea that if you don't have health care, you have to pay. It is distasteful to a lot of people. It disproportionately affects poor people. What if you've made an informed decision that you literally can't afford health care because you're... Uh, a burger flipper who gets 10 hours a week because that's the most you can get right you could easily be taxed you know some fairly large amount and it was bracketed it was adjusted so that way if you didn't make a lot of money it uh, uh, it it, sh- it shouldn't cost ridiculous amounts it wouldn't cost you thousands of dollars but uh, it bottomed out and it bottomed out at you know some couple of hundred dollars per per citizen that you had to pay into it if you didn't have health insurance and that is a tax on poor people the people who can't pay taxes. We should be taxing billionaires to pay for these people's health care so they can get out of poverty. An extra $200 tax
0: on poor people isn't helping. The stated rationale was that uh, young and healthy people, the people who are most likely to not get health insurance. uh, The people who are most likely to be burger flippers. (laughs) I mean, among other low-skill jobs, yes. I
1: I use that as a proxy for cashiers waiters and waitresses yeah all these low-paying
0: jobs the idea is to get them paying into the pool in order to keep the premiums uh, low for everyone else is the stated reason for that
1: yep i'm with you it's
0: just that's a shit stated reason there is no amount of burger
1: flippers cashiers and wait staff that can add up to like oh selling all of jeff bezos's extra yachts and spaceships yeah yeah it just We have 446 billionaires in this country. If we tax them, we could take that money and put it into healthcare for all of these people who are extremely stressed on their healthcare decisions. If they decide that they can't afford the $200, that's probably because they can't. I know, because I've been there. And when times were easier. I wasn't flipping burgers. I worked at KFC. God, that's so shameful to say. But it was rough, right? I was not Mm -hmm. in a good place professionally, and I was manning the buffet at KFC. Oh, God, such crap. But yeah, I was making like 7 or $8 an hour, it was not good. I was doing significantly better than a lot of other people because I had some education under my belt. They're just like, we trust that you'll be responsible and show up to work on time. And I did, I got way more respect than a lot of my peers because I just showed up to work on time. But why would you expect people to show up to work on time if you're giving them $5.45 an hour? Ugh. People didn't take it seriously because it's hard to take that seriously. And it couldn't give them a living wage. It couldn't get them out of poverty. It floated them to the next month where they would suffer through poverty again. Yep. Thank you for letting me rant a little bit. I'm sure we were discussing something useful. (laughs) Trump care?
0: And, well, we were covering the facets of how Trump care is not actually a health care plan, but simply an attack on the ACA.
1: Yeah. And uh, then, oh yeah, then my opinion is that the ACA is literally better than nothing. Well, that much is objective yeah i just i still really don't like it i really feel we should have a single-payer healthcare system <sighs> i was so reluctant to say it because as soon as i say it people will attack us and call us socialist
0: and fascist
1: and communist i
0: let them yeah yeah we have to bite the bullet other countries make as, there's a lot of different systems for healthcare out there in a lot of different countries, and it is also my opinion that single payer makes the most sense for America because it's something that we just, as I said earlier, we have the resources to tackle it. Not all countries do. We do. We should. What's a medical medication error? Medical comma medication comma lab.
1: All right, I'm gonna edit that out so I don't sound stupid. Okay let's before we dive into alternatives and fixes now that we've laid out a bunch of facts that are hopefully less controversial we see how immediately controversial this got mm-hmm. why don't we try to dig deeper into some of the other problems unless we covered all those already did we already cover all the problems with our healthcare? oh no look i'm scrolling for pages uh, we can't possibly cover all of them ah <sighs> So, on to purely problems with our healthcare, things that I'm sure more people will disagree with.
0: Yep. Maybe not. Maybe this will be the, the uncontroversial part of our podcast. I doubt it. People have different experiences with the healthcare system. They're going to have different complaints and sure. perceived attribution bias. They're going to have different believed reasons for why these things exist.
1: I chatted with some of our listeners. One of them got back to me with some complaints. Mm-hmm. So, I'll put out some quotes first. I asked, What are some problems we have with healthcare? One person said, we have to make a choice once a year and stick with it. It's not like there's much of a choice either. Talking about enrollment. Yep. Yep. And this is also complicated by the fact that it's not easy to stay informed. If you have to choose between an HMO and a PPO, nowadays, maybe you know what that is. But often you'll be given the choice and some dollar values, and you won't know why you should pick one or the other. And then new laws pass, and you have to deal with an HSA or an HS-whatever, and you're looking at all these things, you don't know what they are. And often you don't have good time to go research it, when you talk to HR, they give you the pamphlet straight from the health insurance company so you don't get good,
0: neutral information. So of all the things you just listed, I only know what an HSA is. I don't know what any of the rest. Okay. I'm not going to go into what they stand for. Yeah, Demonstrating as yeah. much as we've done research on this. It's well,
1: the- yeah, you, you kind of just have to go through it and feel the pain and then be diligent and do your research. But a PPO is what most people think of as normal insurance. Mm-hmm. You pay premiums and you get coverage. And usually you're paying quite a bit for it, but the coverage is also usually better. Uh, HMOs are usually a little bit more integrated. They're like insurance attached to healthcare places. And usually the network, the group of doctors that are contracting with the financial side of the healthcare. Usually the networks are a little bit smaller, but if you can go to the in-network people, it costs a little bit less. And then the HSA and FSA are various kinds of savings accounts that have various tax benefits and restrictions on how it can be spent. And then also, this is fucked up, but with some of these healthcare savings accounts, they're great vehicles for just dodging taxes, which is great for people in the upper middle class. You know, if you're making 70, 80, $90,000 a year, you can set aside five or $6,000 into one of these accounts, and not pay tax on it. So you move down a few thousand dollars in tax brackets, Mm -hmm. and then you pull money out of this to pay for healthcare stuff, and you have to track receipts and stuff, but then you don't pay tax on the way out either. So that's great for people who have the free time, because they work a regular 40 hours a week, they have the free time to track this kind of stuff, and the time to research it, but if you're one of these people who's working two jobs and taking care of a kid or something, you literally don't have the time, and chances are your part-time job isn't offering any of these things. And it comes through your employer most of the time. It's just super hard to do it and track it and get it all done when you're poor. None of these things help poor people. And when I say poor, I don't mean like inner-city urban. I mean like rural, one-step-above-subsistence-farmer people out in the middle of nowhere like Moran, Texas, population 270. It's just, if you haven't done a ton of research, you're not surrounded by people who know these things, you're not going to get into them, and you're going to be in a higher tax bracket than you ought to be, even if you're only making $30,000 a year. Sorry. Sorry. It was just one quote. Got me on a tangent.
0: Yep. Do you want to do the next quote? Uh, Sure. Uh, Quote, getting pre-approvals from someone who isn't a doctor that gets to decide if my doctor is wrong in prescribing me a procedure. So... God, we should have talked about death panels in our (laughs) myth
1: section. Uh, But there are insurance companies that have staff that say who gets what health thing. Yeah. And it's not always doctors. And then there are supposed to be magic words you can say to the health insurance company to fix this, like who approved this decision or just things that are supposed to make it go away. But like, we shouldn't need that. We should just go to the doctor, get what the doctor tells us we need because they're a fucking doctor. And if we don't like that doctor, go to a second doctor. Yeah. (sighs) Okay. I wanted to discuss all the life expectancy and infant mortality items here because it shows how big of a problem we have we already did that to highlight how bad i think we have it and why we keep going to canada on life expectancy japan's number one by the numbers i had canada's number 15 so way better than us Colombia was number 34 in life expectancy and turkey a country that when i was a child had literal holes in the ground to shit in I'm sure they're better now. I'm pretty sure they have toilets everywhere now, like any civilized country. Probably. And we rank 40th behind Turkey. Yep, Turkey's 39. Yeah. Toilets are recent there. They are doing better for how long people live than we are. Yeah. Um, we are ahead of Ecuador, so we don't lose out entirely to Central America. That's, That's nice. That's good. Yeah. yeah. We're slightly ahead of Mexico, too. Uh, you grabbed some more stats on infant mortality, but you already
0: discussed that. Yeah, I covered that earlier.
1: Earlier, I said we were number 46 for uh, infant mortality. We're actually number 47. Mm -hmm. Russia's beating us at number 42. Europe, Japan, and even Singapore make up the top 10. So we're doing horrible on infant mortality. And these lists are
0: from Wikipedia that have a a much more comprehensive list than the list I was describing earlier.
1: Oh, yeah. And I know I keep going to Wikipedia, but it's just they cite dozens of sources. It's reputable. It yeah. Every time people argue with me on Wikipedia, I go to Wikipedia sources. I'm like, no, look here. They're citing the OECD. They're citing UN. They're citing the CDC. It's it's ridiculous to argue with these very simple lists of numbers. (sighs) Yeah. Uh, Another problem with our system is the uninsured. So one of our sources is uh, was policyadvice.net. They're talking about health insurance policies. Ten point nine percent or about 11 percent of Americans are uninsured. This is after the ACA, after Obamacare. Before it was higher. It was like 16, 17, 18 percent, depending on year. So right now, that means about 27 and a half million people are uninsured. And it seems like, in general, the trend is in a typical year for that number to slightly increase. And then when we pass major health care reform, the number dramatically decreases. Yep. So uh, that policy advice source has uh, a nice map showing this. And pretty much it's red states that have bad health coverage. And the bluer the state gets, the better the coverage gets. Funny that. I picked a couple states. Texas was the worst at 17.7% uninsured. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of nightmarish that just about one in five, one in six people don't have health care coverage. If you're walking down the street and see a dozen people, statistically, two of them are unlikely to have health insurance. Uh, the second worst was Florida. They're at 13%. So they're much better than Texas. Also not surprising. Like everything, Nebraska's in the middle. I'm bringing them up because that's where this podcast is hosted out of. Yeah. We're at 8.3%. And actually, we're doing pretty okay for a red state.
0: Yeah. Then we start moving into blue states. I like, sorry to interject. But I feel like that really should be our motto. We're pretty okay for a red state.
1: We really are. We have lots of progressive legislation, like we can't fire people for hair discrimination. Yay. <laughs> Uh, why does it always come back to race? <sighs> but moving into blue states, I just picked two blue states. Mm-hmm. When, when you say blue state, people always think California, New York, right? Yep. They're not even the best, but, uh, California is actually pretty bad for a blue state. I blame the red parts, like everything outside of LA. Anyway, now it's 7.2% of the population doesn't have health insurance. New York is at 5.4%. So New York is closer to 1 in 20, 1 in 15, right? It's way better than Texas's 1 in 6, 1 in 5. Uh, Some of the best looking states were like Vermont and Connecticut. They were just way down there, like 3, 4, 5%.
0: Yeah. Makes sense.
1: Well, Vermont in particular. It seems like it's the best state. They keep showing up at the top of all these things. Everyone's educated. Everyone's rich. I don't know. It's kind of magical. I didn't know such a place could exist in this country. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Whatever. Again, unsurprising. This disproportionately affects people of color. I'll just read this quote. The numbers go as follows. 84% of whites visited a doctor, followed by 81% of blacks, 79% of American Indian natives, 78% of Asians, and 70% of Hispanics. This was talking about how many people sought healthcare in a typical year for whatever reason they chose, whatever reason they chose to go or not to go. White people, about 17 out of 20 white people got or saw healthcare professionals. And that's compared to, what, 16 out of 20. let me do the math right. Three, so 17, compared to 14 out of 20 Hispanics. So there's there's a big gap there. And since we know that, you know, 10% of people aren't insured, that might fit in that gap. But there's certainly some amount of people going to the doctor and not able to pay for it. These, this uninsured group is hurting all of us and disproportionately hurting people based on race, which is just fucked up. There's nothing different between us as people. We're just, yeah, uh, uh, I don't want to go there this podcast.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a big rabbit hole.
1: Yeah, we'll do race some other episode. Yeah. But just For now, it's enough to know that systemically, this is disproportionately affecting not white people. The website said whites, blacks. It feels racist, but I don't know. Maybe. Every time I say
0: whites, I'm usually talking about egg whites making some cake or some shit. You're going to make me want cake. Cake is delicious. You seem to also have some horrifying guidance on what happens when your insurance has denied your service, will not pay.
1: Oh, yeah. Patientadvocate.org is all about getting your uh, most out of the healthcare system. And that this page simply exists, and I put this in the notes, is a quote, fucking nightmare. Yeah. End of that quote. It's a page all about what to do when your health insurance denies your claim. Because health insurance is a heavily regulated industry, all healthcare providers are mandated to have an appeals process. There's rules about what they can and cannot deny. Lots of people talk about rules before the ACA, like the uh, pre-existing condition thing. They're not allowed to deny that now. So if you get denied because it was a pre-existing condition, There is an appeals process to get that overturned, but it's still a pain in the butt and you still need to know about the appeals process. So yeah, check that out in the show notes. But be aware that one reason healthcare can be denied is, and I'm quoting, services are not deemed medically necessary, ending that quote, but they're not deemed medically necessary by the financial institution that is your insurance company, not your doctor, which is, is there any way this isn't a nightmare? No, not really and looking at all those other places that have better healthcare outcomes, most of them the doctors
0: decide. You generally want to leave it to the actual experts uh, in that particular field to make calls. Yeah, yeah. Because of...
1: I'm going to move on from this. This is, this is too real. Because of the problems with health insurance regulations. It's... Uh, It's good that we have it, right? If we didn't, the health insurance companies would be denying more people and getting away with even more. Yeah. But we have a strong love of religion in this country, so we have religious exemptions. Of course. So popped up is this thing called a healthcare sharing ministry. It claims not to be insurance, and for legal purposes it isn't, for every other purpose it is, and it's a way for devout godly Christians to share the burden of medical expenses is the claim. Mm-hmm. We've got two sources here. John Oliver talked about it. The Opening Arguments podcast talked about it. Opening Arguments is great. There's a lawyer and a comedian, and they just go over things. And uh, the lawyer straight up called it a scam. Lawyers are really careful with their words, and I've been listening to Opening Arguments for a couple hundred episodes. He's never called anything a scam. He's super careful, because he knows if he calls something a scam, and it isn't, he can be sued, because he's a lawyer, and he knows how litigious people can be. Yep. So he straight up called this whole industry a scam. He points out the specific rules where... uh where these things can claim to be religiously affiliated and become a church. These places claim not to be insurance, claim not to have contracts. Oh, they're definitely the dictionary defini- definition of insurance, and the things you have to sign to join them are definitely contracts. But unlike uh, contracts from reputable companies, you have to sign non-disclosure agreements to get in. And they often have onerous clauses that are straight-up bigoted. Uh, sometimes they're called morality clauses, which is disgusting. Churches get to act like they own the word morality that way. Because often the first thing is uh, they're bigoted, bigoted against uh, gay people and just everything LGBTQ. So you can't be in one of these if you're you know, in a gay relationship. They'll just kick you out if you ever have. Uh, often they are very prejudicial against uh, things they deem that you've done to yourself. So if you have an alcohol problem, so there was a person who got in a bar fight and they were denied healthcare coverage and it was denied because it was claimed to be self-inflicted. They won't cover anything related to STDs unless it was only contracted inside a, a heterosexual marriage. So that's interesting. They expected
0: you to explain how the STD was contracted. Spicy?
1: Yeah. Uh, They won't cover abortion. Sometimes they won't cover other contraceptives. Which is a shame, because that's the best way to prevent future medical bills often. Um, John, John Oliver even went so far as to start a church and found a healthcare Christian sharing ministry. Our Lady of Perpetual Health. So it just shows how ridiculous this is. And these things aren't regulated like insurance. They are insurance, according to, like, a dictionary. But they're not insurance according to the federal government. So... They don't have the appeals process, they don't have the rules on who can be dropped and when, they don't have rules on changing your policy, they don't have rules on expectations of insurance companies. So in the Opening Arguments podcast, one thing they really hammered home was some of these things have really harsh limits on how much they'll pay out, and they're capped, which is the opposite of what you want insurance to do. The reason we have deductibles and co-pays is because we want to pay a little bit out of pocket to minimize the shared costs, and then... When there is a burden an individual cannot handle, the big company pays it for us. It's like, oh, I broke my back in a horrible car crash. Cool, here's $200,000 I need to pay. Thank you, health insurance company. These healthcare sharing ministries do the exact opposite, and they cap it. And one of the ones, uh, uh, the open argu- arguments guys looked at capped it at $125,000 for lifetime payouts, meaning that every doctor visit you went to, it chipped away at this, and then when you if if you had a, a horrible problem. They would pay up to the cap and you're done. And both John Oliver and the Opening Arguments podcast had examples of horror stories. Having worked in insurance on the software side, not health insurance, but just insurance in general, I feel like get health insurance or get insurance when there is a risk you can't handle. And don't play around with companies that say they're not insurance, but doing insurance things. It's far too regulated. And the companies are all clearly evil. They're all clearly trying to fuck over people paying the money. Yeah. And again I say that having been inside several of them just just because someone's claiming they're Christian if they're taking your money don't believe that they'll be honest or forthright with it. We have too much evidence showing that they won't, evidence showing that they haven't and you'll just get fucked. Yeah. Um I had one more so- source to talk about the ACA, but we discussed most of those points there. The only thing that I think we didn't discuss was the huge drop in readmissions, which is I think a great way to assess healthcare legislation mm-hmm. in this country because uh, a lot of new rules to try to lower costs will do things like, uh, you know, just shorten the length of a visit. And they'll say like, oh, if the if the visit's 10 minutes shorter, you know, it'll cost less or something. But then if the person comes back for a second visit, you didn't actually save any money, right? Mm-hmm. Two visits cost more than one visit that a 10-minute longer visit would have fixed. So uh, that's the only thing there. mhealthtalk.com. They just had a bunch of charts and... It just compares things before and after the, the ACA passed and just demonstrably it helped. I mean, my big gripe with it, it just didn't help enough. There's still 27 million people who don't have health care. Yep. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Problems? I know we could go on forever, but...
0: Yeah, we could. Uh, we've, we've covered the big ones.
1: Uninsured, scam businesses that look like insurance, poor outcomes, high cost, wait time. Lower quality. Lower quality and how the healthcare system is disproportionately worse for poor people and people of color. Let's get out of this problems we have part and onto the really contentious stuff, huh? Oh boy.
0: Oh, here's that part. Odd that you say, finally, and then after that. <laughs> so we've discussed
1: some baseline facts we've discussed some problems. What about alternatives? How do we fix this?
0: Well, being that they are America's hat, the very first alternative that comes to mind is Canada's single-payer healthcare system. Yeah, they pretty much have the best healthcare in the Western Hemisphere. Yeah, their healthcare is, for the people who use it, the, the individual citizens, it is the most straightforward thing you can possibly have. You go, you Get your appointment, and when you show up and you're filling out any necessary paperwork, you just hand them the, a card, and the card has a number on it. They write it down. And then you go in, you get your treatment or see your doctor or get your consultation, whatever it may be. And then you just walk out the door and that's it. There's no bill later. It's just that simple. And something cool about this that conservatives might
1: like if they started actually understanding how the system works is it's not a big federal thing. The federal government reimburses each province, which if you don't know, that's what they have instead of states. They're the same thing, really. But mm-hmm. well, Canada has 10 provinces and two or three territories, something like that. Sounds right. The provinces and territories are the ones that act as the single payer. And they are they, they hold a, a state monopoly on healthcare. If you're a doctor, you go to them and get paid. And conservatives will often yell, well, if there's not a financial incentive to become a doctor, then that it won't happen. And we have sources. There's this paper from the uh, NCBI, which is this Canadian board on this that actually studies this. And yeah, their their doctors don't make as much as American doctors, but the by the numbers we have, they made you know more than a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars in nineteen ninety two. So adjusted for inflation, whatever. I I was doing fine when I was making a hundred and four thousand dollars, even now in you know twenty seventeen and twenty twenty money.
0: Yeah, and none of that has to go to healthcare expenses. Yeah,
1: <sighs> yeah, and that's just what doctors are getting paid. Yeah, it doesn't have to go to their costs. There are other ways from they get paid. But these uh the provinces look at the needs of the people in the province and they set prices for healthcare stuff and then the doctors and hospitals and healthcare offices go to the province and it gets paid and it works. So all the complexity is handled by the people who are actually dealing with the decision making process of it. The people who know, not, you know, you or me who don't deal with the healthcare system all the time. And we're expected to
0: go, you know, price comparison shopping for hospitals. You're not gonna be poor and destitute working in healthcare in Canada. No, you will be quite comfortable and even then there's a lot of
1: doctors here in the states that are at or near poverty level because they do things like run free clinics or only take medicare patients or yeah again per this canadian paper they spend uh less per person yet have better outcomes And uh, the paper actually did cite wait times, but they also explained that it was mostly to see a specialist after the first round of treatment was issued and it was deemed stable. So Mm -hmm. I think what's happening here is Canada's tracking wait times more honestly than we are. I think it's that simple. Mm -hmm. So when people are talking about wait time here in the US, there's this emotional visceral reaction like we're talking about emergency room visits or something like that. And it just isn't. It's all the things. So there's not a good way to know, but it looks like every country that's at least as good as the United States in healthcare, if you have an emergency, you get treatment immediately. Alternatives to single-payer. So there are uh, two other possible alternatives that I brought up on a list from Wikipedia, and then going back here just because it's so clear and obvious. But Canada fits in the category of countries with universal government-funded health systems. Okay. Then there are countries with universal public insurance, okay. where there's a government option and private options, and it's mandated that you have insurance at some level. Sometimes it's mandated that the employer give it to employees, and the government covers uninsured people or something. Right. There's something that leaves no gaps. There's mandates, and there's a private option. Mm-hmm. But then there are countries with universal private insurance systems. Germany was also covered in this paper as a comparison, and they fit in this category. Healthcare there, there's no government option. You can't just go to the government and get it. But there are private companies that are heavily regulated that most of the time go through an employer. But then if you aren't employed, the system has something in place to make sure that you get insurance. And it might be the government pays a private company to cover you but you are covered one way or the other. So 100% of people have health insurance. And this is Germany, country that makes about as much money as us per capita. They didn't used to, but they've caught up to us and they've done this since uh, at least the 70s. And the 60s and 70s seems to be when a lot of these systems came into being. And then there's countries with non-universal insurance. So oh,
0: hey, for yeah, emphasis, I think we should kind of go down this list, and I'm kind of eager to. Oh, yeah. The list of countries with non-universal insurance systems. So Bangladesh, uh, Burundi, Democratic Republic of Congo, Egypt, Ethiopia, Indonesia, Jordan, Kenya, Nigeria, Paraguay, United Arab Emirates, uh, Tanzania, 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 Uh, Uganda, Yemen, and the United States. This is
1: pretty much a list of countries that Trump would have called shithole countries.
0: 100%
1: is. And the United States. Yes. So moving up that chart, just to read a little bit, countries with universal private health insurance. So these are countries where everyone's insured. There is some system that mandates it, right? Germany, Israel, Liechtenstein, Netherlands, and Switzerland. They do better than us in every category in terms of life expectancy, infant mortality, and cost. And everyone is covered, and they still have something like a free market where you can choose and pick one group or the other. And if you have no money, you still get health care. And then we start getting to lists of countries with more mixed systems, and it gets a little harder. But where there's just a public option and a private option, there's actually a few countries that don't do as good as us. Like countries with, and they call it universal public-private insurance, where you get your health care directly from the government or from a private company if you can afford it. And some of these countries are better than us like Turkey. They're in that list and some yep. of them are not as good as us like Mexico. And actually in some metrics I think Mexico's actually better. They might beat us in infant mortality, but we beat them in life expectancy. Okay, moving up to countries with universal public insurance. Uh it's a, it's just a big list of countries that mostly beat us, right? Like Luxembourg is up in there. They're super rich. It's this tiny European country. Russia is there. Uh Singapore keeps beating us, which is kind of amazing because A lot of people think of Singapore as a third world country, but they've been working really hard to revitalize and move from developing to developed country, and I think they're just about there in everything except, like, uh, religion and freedom of speech topics. But yeah, there's countries up there that we used to really look down on, like Ethiopia and the Czech Republic, and they're doing better than us in healthcare. And then again, the best category in terms of their outcomes and how much is covered, countries with universal government-funded health systems. And this is the the category with Canada, and almost all of these countries are doing better than us or are so stifled for resources that they shouldn't be comparable to us. Like Cuba. Cuba makes something like 10% of what we make per capita. They're extremely poor, yet they have... coverage for everybody. Their life expectancy is within a few years of ours. So they are behind us on it, right? But they also have 10% of the money we have per person. So they're getting results almost as good as us for pennies on our dollar. So even the countries that are doing worse than us are still amazing. And all the other countries that are topping this, right? Frickin' Australia and the UK. They're all on one of these two lists where there's public insurance or government-funded healthcare. It's just private insurance doesn't make sense. Yeah. It just, there isn't a way that it makes sense and uh this is one we should have covered in the controversial claims section the if we got rid of state uh if we if we got rid of regulations and actually had a free market that this would somehow magically be fixed it's another one of those things where how the hell do you get sources for that yeah cuz no country that has tried it it's worked every country that has better healthcare than us has more government regulation it's just this is one of those places where that just works and like we don't have private militaries here in the US we have a fully government funded we have a fully government-funded military, and our military's awesome. Why don't we have a military view on our health care?
0: So the military example kind of plays into what I was about to say a bit. Sure. For some things... The endeavor is just simply too large for any entity smaller than an entire government to be able to manage. In the 60s, that was quite literally the space race. We couldn't have corporations or individual states constructing a space program to go to the moon. It was just way too large of an endeavor. And military securing the entire nation, it's... Too large of an endeavor. Yeah, by definition, securing a nation with force of arms is
1: going to be a government level problem. Because even if you get more resources individually, the country these individuals are in will get bigger proportionally. So the government has to handle it. Unless you're, never mind. I was going to bring up one exception. There's one country that has no military. They just have a really good treaty with the United States. And trying to keep your population healthy is also a massive endeavor. And it scales with proportion to technology and the population. So an individual can, an average individual can never keep up with it. Yeah. I mean, Jeff and,
0: Bezos could. And even states. I mean, OK, there's a couple of individual states that might be able to accomplish something. Texas but, and California could. Yeah. But other than that, most states would just be less, left to suffer if they were expected to provide on their own.
1: Looking at you, Kentucky. <laughs> Especially Kentucky.
0: Kentucky's so fucked. I'm sorry.
1: No, if you don't know, uh, you should vote out Mitch McConnell. But I suspect anyone who would be inclined to do so is not listening to this podcast. Yeah, probably. ah. <sighs> So yeah, it just, this problem grows in proportion to the population and technology, and the government can do that too, and an individual can't, so the free market fundamentally doesn't fit the problem at this societal level either. It doesn't fit at an individual level because risk management, doesn't fit at an individual level because it's fundamentally anti-competitive. In theory, you could have competition, but in practice, it's like, you're not going to do price shopping when you're bleeding out of your neck, right? It's not going to happen. Yeah. And then it doesn't work on a like a big societal scale level because you need a huge pool of population to distribute risk evenly because there's nothing that can happen to one person that is so costly that, you know, 10 million people can't absorb that cost. So when you get a population of millions, you can distribute it. And we have a huge population. We have 300 million people in this country. We could distribute a lot of risk evenly, and each of us would take on a smaller load than we are taking on now, because now we're also paying for a bunch of uninsured people who are seeking healthcare when it's worst instead of when it's best to seek it. We're spending a ton of money on all these things, and we're not getting the results we should. So we just need to pick one of these other systems, any of these other systems. Any alternative is better. Yeah. I'm in the single-payer camp. What about you? Single-payer, all the way. Yeah, copy Canada. Like, what the hell does Japan have? They have a universal public insurance. All right, and that's described as, in these countries, workers have social insurance. Usually, government with- withholds part of their wage, which is divided between employee and employer, people who don't have a legal con... Oh, right, I'm going to cut a bunch of that out. But yeah, it looks just like mandated insurance in other ways. It's very similar to single-payer. Yeah. Is there anything else we hadn't covered yet? Uh,
0: I mean, yes... Uh, Oh,
1: yeah, the topic's healthcare. It's infinitely large.
0: And there is that, yes. Uh, But, I mean, I think we've exhausted all of the immediate topics on healthcare Mm. because non immediate topics will literally never end until we get meaningful reform. (sighs) But otherwise, we had some ideas for improving viewership.
1: Brilliant. 13 minutes in, and that should cover about two minutes of material. Yep. We wanted to try to grow the audience of the podcast. Yeah. I had some ideas. None of them are great. The the one we settled on is I think we want to do a, a raffle, a giveaway, right? Where We'll have some actions, and there's this vendor we can go through that'll run the raffle for us, but if you take these actions, you know, like us on various social medias, or retweet us, or post about us places, you can uh, get, you know, a chance to enter, and it'll be free, there won't be any payment to enter. The idea is, we'll give away some prizes, Mm -hmm. right? So, I reached out to some of our listeners and just asked what you guys would be interested in for prizes, and I got a great quote from somebody that's like, I don't know, man, maybe magnifying glasses? What about disevidential the board game? The possibilities are limitless, but... (laughs) I don't know at this point I don't have any really good ideas I kind of want to give away some flash drives we'll like put our logo on there and we'll fill it up with all the podcast episodes so far it'll be nice it'll be like a thing you actually might want to like keep not one of these cheap crappy marketing ones. But like, I don't know. I don't know if that would motivate people. So I would like listeners to contact us, right? Contact at disevidentia.com for email. You can tweet at us at disevidentia. You can hit us up on the disevidentia subreddit. If you see me on LinkedIn, if you look for Joseph Toppy on LinkedIn, you'll get me or my father. If you get my father, he'll politely direct you to me. If you get me, you'll probably see me yelling at conservatives. Probably.
0: Yeah, do, do we have any other ideas? Well, so, like, the suggestion of Desevidentia the board game strikes me as uh, I mean, a little bit ridiculous, honestly. If people want it enough, then okay, fine, whatever, who am I to say no? But, we'll make a board game. We we know people who can make boards. Yeah, but just on the on the surface of it, especially where we are now, it seems so ridiculous that I can't help but wonder, like, okay, well, if, if we're going to be ridiculous and we're we're going to make Desevidentia the board game, why not dis? Evidence of the flamethrower. I mean, we talk a lot about
1: evidence, and evidence can be destroyed by fire. Most things can be destroyed by fire. Not the sun. Accurate. Sorry, I'm just... Uh, we really need to take those improv lessons. Okay, maybe. I don't fucking know. But yeah, I would really like to see this evidence of the flamethrower. Of course you would. Well, why not? They're kind of dangerous. Elon Musk had a flamethrower, and his was shitty. Yeah, it was a pretty underwhelming flamethrower. He, he just used little propane tanks. We can do better than that. Probably. Yeah, but uh, some more serious ideas. Um... We're thinking maybe buy some implements of science, right? If we're doing this raffle, maybe we give away some of the flash drives and a telescope or a microscope or books or something. But I'd like people to reach out and tell us what we can really do. And maybe if the podcast gets big enough, we will give away a flamethrower. Yeah, we did some
0: light research
1: oh god you want me to go back to that custom flamethrower website no
0: no that's not necessary but we have a rough idea of what it would cost and the rules and regulations for ownership of a flamethrower and surprisingly legal yeah like we really shouldn't be able to do this but we can yeah i
1: like that the the marketing points include phrases like napalm compatible yep they're really thinking of their, uh, their demographic there. And if we do raffle off a flamethrower, should it be just a normal like human mounted like worn one where you put like a tank on your back and you go around and I presume our listeners will only use them responsibly for clearing away brush and beehives. I, I don't see why you would want to limit yourself. Oh, the other option is a drone-mounted flamethrower.
0: That seems much more utilitarian.
1: You you can throw fire on things from much further away. The range of Wi-Fi rather than the mere 115 feet that the X-18 model flamethrowers offered. That is some horrendous range. 115 feet is enormous. Yeah. Okay. So, in the interest of keeping this short, let us know what you think. Do you want a inch of flamethrower, telescope, microscope, flash drive, or board game?
0: Yep, let us know. And even if it's ridiculous, as long as it's legal and within our means, it's uh, something we'll give honest consideration to. <laughs>
1: Thanks to all of our Patreon supporters at the evidence investigator level or higher, including Jared, Duct Keldar, Lazori78.
0: Thanks for listening, and don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a review, or tell a friend.
1: Copyright 2021, Blacktop Studios, Inc.
0: Intro music was slow by Pidex, used with permission.